Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm welcoming back Barb Rank to our podcast. Barb, welcome back. Thank you, Joanna. It's been very good to be back. Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening and Barb's name is familiar, or if you are listening and her name is not familiar, she has done one episode with us. I think it was last fall or summertime most quickly, mm-hmm. uh, but it was about the Enneagram. And yeah. I don't even remember what the episode was titled, but it's a great one. And it's been one of our more popular ones. So Welcome back to the podcast and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Reintroduce yourself or introduce yourself. You bet. Uh, happy to be here representing EFR today. So thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I am an educator by heart. So I had a background in secondary English education, which led me into corporate America uh, and teaching adults and leaders. Some of these leadership skills, communication skills. And then about four years ago, I became a certified life coach, and that's where I learned the Enneagram and other tools on just helping us understand not only how to communicate well, show up professionally, but also just how to balance ourselves as a person and find out what's really important to us. So that's why I love talking about the Enneagram and uh, would love for people to go back and review that podcast as well. Uh, And then today I'm here to talk about a different topic, but I also have personal experience professional experience, and I work with clients who have had this topic. So I'm excited to talk about it today. So the topic is imposter syndrome, and it's something that I've had on my radar for a long time. Uh, We've been doing the podcast for three years now. So we started in January of 2020. So it's hard to kind of believe that that much time has passed. Mm -hmm. But when I first conceptualized the podcast, I was kind of jotting down all the different things that I thought would be interesting to talk about and who I could potentially have you know, speak to those topics. And I've had imposter syndrome on the list for a long time. And then one day I thought, that's Barb. Barb will be my person for that. And so I reached out to you. So I really am appreciative that you took me up on the opportunity for us to have this conversation. So let's just kind of, because I don't know a lot about imposter syndrome. So I'm going to be learning with our listeners, maybe more than I do with a lot of our other topics that we have on here. So this is exciting for me. I feel, honestly, I feel a little unprepared for the conversation. Maybe like I have imposter syndrome hosting this particular episode, Um, but uh, you know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know if I know enough to have a conversation about this, (laughs) but I know that you'll make me feel comfortable and everything will be fine. So let us know kind of from a, from a very basic, you know, what it is. And I know we're also going to talk about what it isn't, but what is imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. Well, I had to laugh when you said, when I think of imposter syndrome, I think of Barb and I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Exactly. I know I, I could, as I was saying it, I could hear it coming out and it came out the wrong way. (laughs) I know exactly. Uh, So not that I have any more experience than this, but I do feel like I fit looking back at what I researched. I fit the definition of someone who has uh, tendencies toward imposter syndrome versus just when do we all feel like we're not quite getting it, right? Yeah. So, so that is the first thing I do want to talk about. What is it and what isn't it? Because all of us are going to experience this feeling from time to time, but there's a difference between the feeling and this persistent continual belief. So okay. um, I even want to go back a step before we get into this topic and talk about 
just there's going to be a theme that I want to anchor back to. And so I'm going to say this twice now and I'm going to anchor back to it. But confidence is an inside job. And I'm going to be presenting a ton of information here today based on research and models and all this, you know, other things. But it all comes back to the anchor of confidence is an inside job. Okay. So having said that, I'm writing that down because I love it. <laughs> it is. It's so true. And and we'll talk about today. How do you build that confidence? And there are tools, and and a lot of it's just time, <laughs> which as adults we're like. I don't have time to build confidence, but that's where we get into this syndrome. So, uh, so what is it? Uh, the true imposter syndrome, based on the research study, is this fundamental underlying belief that I am not good enough to be here, and it is just a matter of time before my inadequacy is discovered. Mm -hmm. So, imagine walking in day to day. I'm not good enough to be here, and someone's going to find me out today or tomorrow or the next day. So here's why I want to just level set. We have all felt that way before. I don't care who we are, what positions we've had, because you get that feeling when you are new to something, right? Even if you have competency in that area, you if you, let's say you're at a job, um, you got promoted to a certain level. Well, now you're being asked to do a different job at that same company or a new position, just a level up, you are going to experience that feeling of, I don't know if I'm good enough to be here. And, and when are they going to find out? Uh, if you're in a new relationship, it's new. Right? We're still trying to figure it out. New parenting, when you become a new parent. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know that I'm good enough to be here. It's just a matter of time. So all of this is going to happen, uh, even when you're in college, especially when you're in college, because you're just learning about what you're about to do. You haven't actually had time to practice it or really get out there in the quote, real world. So I just want to talk to everyone. That is not what I'm talking about when I talk about imposter syndrome, because in those situations, most of the time, if we give ourselves time and allow ourselves the time to learn a little bit about parenting, a little bit about the job, a little bit about being a new professional on the job, our confidence will grow. Okay? We will just naturally start to worry about other things other than Someone's going to find me out. I'm not qualified to be here. Mm. Okay. Uh, does that ring true for you or what's it making you think about? Well, I'm just thinking about when I, so for our listeners, so I was hired as a wellness manager in 2015. And then in 2019, I received some additional responsibilities as our marketing manager. And at the time it was a matter of, I had the capacity to take on more and I had been feeling a little you know, like, yeah, I'm bored. I feel like <laughs> I want something different. And so there were a couple different opportunities that came up and I lit up when my leader mentioned there was an option for me to move into more of a manager role with our marketing team. And I was so excited, but kind of like the moment it was announced, I felt like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why did I get this promotion? And mm -hmm. I, over time, because now it's been three and a half years, my competencies have certainly grown because I've learned more and my confidence has grown. But if you put me in a space where there's a lot of marketing professionals with a lot of experience and mm -hmm. then there's me, yeah. <laughs> I feel as good. And I do feel, I don't know if it's that I'm feeling and as I'm, you know, an imposture, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. if, and maybe you can help me 
understand better if that's what I'm feeling in that moment, but I'm feeling less and less confident. Mm -hmm. What word came up for me when you were describing being in the marketing situation was just comparison. And again, that's something that all of us do all the time. We can feel confident and then we walk into a, a new situation or environment and that could impact our confidence if we're comparing ourselves, yeah. right? Uh, so that may or may not be imposter syndrome because you may feel very competent in the work that you do for the organization that you work for. And then every once in a while, we just see someone that's doing it a little bit better and yeah. we can, so. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So let's go back to if, if feeling insecure or a little bit like not enough yet, if that's not imposter syndrome, then what is it? And I went back to the 1978 study where I saw it first originated. It was actually called imposter phenomena. And I didn't see any big difference between phenomenon and syndrome. But well, regardless. let's be real. Phenomenon sounds cooler. And then it, there's a song and I always, I won't go into it. But <laughs> yeah, and I love words, but those didn't have a huge significance. So now here's, there was one thing that I took away from the study that I want to share today, but I also want to put it in context. The study was very small. Okay. So it's, I don't know if it's statistically significant. It had like 161 people total. Uh, I think all of them were women. The majority were from the Midwest. They were between 20 and 45, and most of them were in their academic careers, either undergraduate or postgraduate. Okay. So... Take it for what it's worth. Um, I don't think it takes into account where we can feel like imposters based on our environment, right? Not just us internally, but is this environment not setting me up for success? Uh huh. But I, I'm going to keep coming back to the internal job. Like so. So there's there's one aspect of it. The other aspect is, you know, would would this same study apply to men? Would it apply geographically? Would it apply with cultural biases? So take it for what it's worth. However, here is the big thing that it's that the takeaway, I guess, from this one. And it said uh, imposter syndrome for that group of people was validated in that they each of them had demonstrated success in various aspects on the job. Um, they were getting promotions. They were, they were being told you're doing an excellent job. Uh, you know, keep it up. This is great. And they still personally believed that they were not competent in that role. And it was a matter of time before they're going to be found out. Okay. So I think this goes back to, even if you are having demonstrated success, you are achieving the markers of whatever the expectations are and you still feel I'm going to be found out. I, that's where I go back to confidence is an inside job. Uh -huh. So it's not that you're not performing. You're actually performing as, as expected or better. And you still don't believe that, that this is where you're supposed to be. So that to me is the big distinction that I took away from this study. Um, and then there was one other one that I, that I could personally relate to. So it tied a lot of the women's experiences back to two big childhood um, scenarios. So I'm gonna give you both of those scenarios and see if you can relate to either one of these. Okay. So scenario one, you had um, a sibling or a close relative, someone in your family who had been designated the intelligent member of the family. Uh, so they were the smart one. And then you were either 
told directly or there was some indirect uh, messaging that you were the, the sensitive one or you were better with people, uh, meaning maybe you weren't as smart. So this led to this unconscious pattern that, well, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show you. I'll be the smart one. And again, whether it was conscious or unconscious, several of the women in the study said, yeah, that was me. If I look back now, I continue to step into that story that there's someone smarter than me and I'm going to prove that I can, I can be smarter than them. Mm -hmm. That was scenario one. Scenario two, uh, maybe you were a family member and that you had some sort of skill and gift early on and people saw it as superior. Maybe you were intellectually superior, your appearance, your personality, your talents, and it just came easy for you. So a lot of people would be commenting on, I can't believe that you can just recite all that or you can remember all that. Uh, and family members, yeah, look at how smart she or he is and look at that. So a lot of the women in the study also related to this scenario and that led to an unconscious belief that, well, if it doesn't come easy for me, I must not be good at it. Right. <laughs> so I personally relate to example two. Okay. And it doesn't mean you have imposter syndrome. It means that you have the potential to uh, have these beliefs more consistently. Mm -hmm. Because these are added variables. So I loved reading early on. I could read very fast. I love words. I could comprehend. I could, I, great student, right? Uh, and I got praised for that a lot. Like, look how smart you are, and I can't believe you. Um, so I, I truly, later on, I think, unconsciously started to believe, well, if it doesn't come easy for me, then I must not be good at it. I better just give up. Right. Or work really hard, then this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Right. Um, yeah. Well, neither of those scenarios really resonate with me. I grew up, I have siblings, but they're so much older that I grew up in many ways as an only child. So there wasn't really a lot of comparison to me um, between my siblings and me. They were in college when I was in elementary school. So a pretty big age difference. Uh, and then the second one, I'm actually thinking of my daughter because, and she's an only child. So I'm raising an only child and I she's very bright. She's always been, um, quick to pick up on things. She, you know, had a very large vocabulary before she was two years old and that's only grown. And now that she's in school, she's really excelling at reading and mm -hmm. math. And I do say to her a lot, you are so smart. I'm so proud of you. And one thing that my colleague, Steve, who's also been on the podcast is trying to get me to remember is that it's okay to tell her that you're proud of her in those moments, but in moments when she's not doing something the right mm -hmm. way or doesn't get the right answer, you should also tell her that you're so proud of her for trying, or you're so proud of her for being brave and doing something mm -hmm. that she didn't know she could do. And so mm -hmm. As the mother of a young child, I'm starting to think about this differently. And when, when you sent me kind of what you wanted to talk about for the episode today, I had that moment where I thought, oh, I could maybe get ahead of this for my child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if in fact, you know, I'm setting her on that path of scenario two, mm -hmm. where, you know, I'm conveying this message that she's intellectually superior or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, because she is very smart and talented. And I think most parents would say that they believe that of their kids. Yeah. Which is exactly where there's no wrong way to do this. Right. Okay? So I, I never want to give the impression if you say these things and you're doing it wrong, 
it, it again it's how that individual is translating that and perceiving it right so right right I, and we'll talk about later there's a couple other conditions that predispose you to true imposter syndrome and i met several of the conditions so i'm right. like oh. Uh, so you can't control the outcomes, but you can definitely use some wording that would support growth mindset, actually, which is what we'll talk about next. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So those are on opposite ends of the mindset spectrum. Uh, yeah. One, one kind of limits you and keeps you uh, kind of stuck, kind of stuck in these mindsets of um, it's just a matter of time before I found out. And then the other one actually helps you move forward. So this is now moving into 2006 research um, by Dr. Carol Dweck. She's from Stanford. Her book is phenomenal. If you have not read it, it's called Mindset. So she pointed out in that research study that there are uh, two distinct mindsets. Again, one's helpful, one's just not as resourceful, but a lot of people have it, myself included. The, I'll compare it line by line. So a fixed mindset belief, they want to prove something. They want to prove that I am intellectual in this moment or I am talented in this moment. And I almost call it the heroic efforts of a fixed mindset because they're just going to put me in coach and I, I, I fixed this one or I saved this one or I solved this one. And it's, it's this uh, kind of revolving door energy where I put all this effort into it. Now I have to kind of crash and burn. And now I got to get back up again and prove it. And then I crash and burn. Uh, so it's coming from a fixed mindset of, I have to continuously prove myself. Mm -hmm. A growth mindset wants to improve their intelligence or talent. So not, how can I show them what I'm worth right now, but how can I get better at what I'm already doing? Or where are there some places where I could grow my confidence? Because confidence is an inside job. Yeah. And if I'm constantly showing up heroic, all I've taught myself is I can buckle down and get it done, mm -hmm. but I don't trust myself that I can do it the next time. Growth mindset is I am doing the little small things every day to build that. And of course I know what, I know I, I'm trust that I'm prepared right. for the next situation. Yep. Uh, so I'll do another one. Fixed mindset avoids challenges because they fear they're going to fail. I would rather, not me personally, but I would rather not try than fail. So I'll just avoid it. Uh -huh. That's a mindset. A growth mindset would say, well, how will this challenge the marketing, right? I don't know if I can do marketing, but how will this challenge help me improve? How will this challenge help me learn? Who will this challenge connect me with? And all of those are, are parts of growth that get us energized. Uh, if you're in a more fixed mindset, and again, mindsets are malleable, they can be changed. But if you have a more fixed mindset, you're going to treat criticism as an attack. Because again, you're being heroic, you're putting in the work when it counts, uh, but you're not yet confident of your own abilities. So if you hear any kind of criticism, it's going to feel like a personal attack. If you have been developing your confidence as an inside job, been doing the, the work and seeing it as learning, uh, then you'll treat criticism as, oh, well, that's something I hadn't considered before. Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for that feedback. I, I need to think about how I can use that to make this better. Very different mindset. And then finally, what I learned was fixed mindset. People feel threatened by others' successes, right? It's a very much, I need to protect myself. I've got to take care of me. And it's a kind of a survival mode uh -huh. almost 
Whereas growth mindset, you get inspired by what others are doing. And how can I become more like that if I want to? Yeah. You know, if that's the bar, then I know the potential is there. What does that mean for me? So you mentioned that these are malleable. You're not just a fixed mindset person or you're not just a growth mindset person. So they can, they can be concurrent is, is what you're saying. And is it maybe based on scenarios, your level of comfort, your level of confidence, your environment? Yeah. So a lot of times uh, I'll run into clients who myself as well, I might be really confident and have a growth mindset around my job because this is what I've been putting my energy into and learning and growing. And then I became a parent. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, what do I do? I have to prove it. I, you know, I'm not going to try any new skills or anything if I might fail. And ultimately that's, that's not helping me move forward. And if you can feel the energy of that fixed mindset, like I'm failing at this. Um, and it's just a matter before I'm found out the energy that comes from those thoughts actually keeps us stressed. Yeah. So yeah, you can have both at the same time. I help people look at where's the bulk of your energy coming from. If the bulk of your energy is coming from growth mindset thoughts in any situation in your life, you're going to feel more balanced. Right. If it's coming from fixed, great news. We can work on that because confidence is an inside job. I love it. So you also cited a some research from 2016 when we were preparing for the podcast, and this was Dwex research. Yep, yep, that was the one I just mentioned. Okay, is that the yep. one you just mentioned? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, perfect. Well, what what about childhood experiences and personality? So. Like we've talked about like the two different scenarios that could perhaps predispose someone to imposter syndrome. What about personality and personality types? So when you're on the podcast the first time, uh, we talked a lot about the Enneagram. And so maybe just very briefly reintroduce us to that. And if you're listening and you want to know more, uh, I'll link back to that episode in the show notes, but talk a little bit about that. And then also just how personality can play into imposter syndrome. Yeah, this was... This was eye-opening for me when I learned more about the life coaching models and especially the Enneagram. And I tied it back to imposter syndrome because for me, I can see how this predisposed me again. So the last criteria is these personality defaults, I call them. If you uh, explore the Enneagram model or any of these models, they help you see a default operating system. They give you a language for here is how these types are going to show up. Uh, I think the podcast I did last time was here's them at their best and here's them under stress. Yeah. So it, again, gives them a, an example. Well, what's going to stress each of these types out is different. And then how they're going to behave if if they don't understand that pattern, right? They're, I call it the Trojan horse. So each type has a Trojan horse that will override their healthy operating system every time, unless they're aware of it and they can take control. So all that to say, Uh, Of the nine types, and I'm not going to go into all nine of them, there are three of those types, types two, three, and four, the helper, the achiever, and the individual creative. Those three types in this model have a built-in extra helping, I guess, of this feeling called shame. (laughs) 
yay, I'm a four. This is great. Oh, this is amazing. And when I first heard that, I was like, well, wait a minute, we all have shame. We all do. We all, and shame is that, that just gnawing feeling of I'm not enough yet. Still not enough. That's that gnawing feeling. But six other types don't experience it as to the degree that types two, three, and four do. Right. And I remember thinking, you mean other people don't struggle with this on a daily basis? And the answer was no, because they struggle with anxiety or anger or some of these other big emotions. Right. But, so this is now the Trojan horse of a two, three, and four to recognize that it is not their, their healthy operating system. But now pair this with imposter syndrome. I already walk into a situation where maybe I'm predisposed to constantly feeling like I, it's just a matter of time before I'm found out. Even in the midst of success, even in the midst of evidence to the contrary, and we still can't quite feel confident. Well, it could tie back to below that in these types, there could be this just natural tendency to not feel like you're worth it yet. So that can tie into it. And that's where I love to coach people to say, okay, that sounds true, but that's not the truth. Because the truth always feels like peace and it always leads to freedom. So let's spend some time working through this to make sure we get you to peace and freedom. I, yeah, that's why I love using this model because it just it it it's not fun to hear, but after you've heard it and after you've said, yeah, I think that applies to me, then it gives you the power to move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's say you're listening and you've taken the Enneagram and you are a two, three, or four. Mm -hmm. I'm a four. So, what would be some helpful steps for me, knowing that shame is my Trojan horse? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go to any, any, if you resonated with any of this and you're like, Ooh, it's not just that I'm uncomfortable. I, I think I'm predisposed. So first of all, I would ask you to acknowledge that you are contributing to your own success. And then if I were coaching you, I would actually have you verbalize it to me, either write it down or tell me three ways that you are contributing to your success. It did not just happen and you were part of it. Right. So we really want people to connect to themselves uh, in a way that they they start hearing themselves saying, no, I did this, and not in an arrogant way. In a, this is the thing that I contribute that I can be confident about. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, next one, I go back to the energies. If you have imposter syndrome, you likely have the more fixed mindset, heroic energy. <laughs> put me in coach. I'll figure it out. Give me the next. And then you kind of just get exhausted, but you pick yourself back up again and it's, it's highs and lows. So a couple of things, if you're beyond six to 12 months on your job and you're still having the imposter syndrome feelings, chances are there's, there's aspects of your job that you can gain more confidence. You just haven't put in the work yet. Okay. An example for it's because they don't, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but if, if someone's six to 12 months into their job and they don't feel competent or confident and there's more work to be put in, do you think a barrier to putting that work in is admitting that I'm just, you know, not where I think I can be? Is it that shame that's kind of driving them to not really own what's going on and then move forward with an actionable step? 
Uh, for it could be. What it also could be is conflict avoidance, oh. uh, fear of failure. Yeah. Right. I thought I would be successful. Which is one of the fixed mindset yeah. traits. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of times I'll hear, "I'm just going to stick this out. I'm just going to stick this out." And I'm like, "Do right," because that's what your body and everything is telling you. For how long? Right. So, Let's at least check, let's do some check-ins, check in in a month, check in in two months, but what are we going to do? Not just think about it, not thinking and action are two different things. So what are we going to do in the meantime to help you build your confidence if that's an area that we need to work on? Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have an example where I worked in an uh, industry that to, to keep moving up, um, I not only had to do with my training skills and my competence there, but eventually you're going to have to do in-depth knowledge of retirement plans. And I wasn't really excited about that or interested in that. And so I would learn enough to be able to train or do whatever the projects were, but I didn't want to just personally invest in that depth of knowledge. Well, it just got harder. The gap got bigger and bigger. Right. right. No wonder I'm experiencing imposter syndrome because at any point I could be asked about the Limra study. I don't know. I made that up, but <laughs> so I'm like, well, what is it I really want to do? And what I really want to do is teach and coach people around these tools for communication, relationships, better health, and the Enneagram. I will learn as much as I need to about the Enneagram and those tools. So this is a much better fit for me. But yeah, I and I I would say I I still have comparison, you know, going off on my own and doing this, but I don't feel like I'm an imposter anymore. That's great. And that has to be a very freeing feeling. Like it has mm -hmm. to be like a weight was lifted or just, yeah. I don't remember what you said a few moments ago, something about uh, peace and freedom. Yep. The truth, it feels like peace and leads to freedom. Yes. Yes. I love that. Even if it's hard, leaving a job with no guarantee of the future, no guarantee of outcomes, but it's still, I got to do it. Or relationships, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of just one other tool. You know, I tell people don't lie, and they're like, well, "I don't, I don't lie. I'm not a liar." And I'm like, "Well, if you tell yourself that I'm not enough, and it's only a matter of time before I'm exposed, is that true?" And they're like, "Yes. It, well, that feels true." And I'm like, "The truth leads to peace and feels like freedom." Yeah. So we really untangle some of this anxiety that comes around these beliefs. And it's just an honest thing, right? It happens. It's going to happen. But what if we could reverse that? Because our brains are just as powerful to get going in the other direction. So I just help people not lie. <laughs> yeah. And I think you just kind of, like you said, you can, you can go between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. You can switch the direction of your thinking. It's going to take energy either way, right? So why not put your energy towards the growth mindset mm -hmm. and, and doing the things that are going to make you feel like, you know, your authentic self, essentially. Yeah. So. Um, I'll tie in a personal example. My son, uh, he is going to be graduating this year. He's a senior. He has taught me more about growth mindset than any book. Right. And just watching him because he decided his end of freshman year, beginning of sophomore year, he was going to become a, a football athlete. Just he has, so here's where as a parent, I could be like, you are so good at football. You're such a great athlete. Well, he put the time in. 
he set during COVID, he set up an entire weight set in our in our garage. He worked out every day. He watched videos. He consulted with his friends. He get he he was very coachable. Every coach that came in, he, he would get tips and tricks and just constant, he would measure his progress. Uh, he made the varsity team as a sophomore. And again, I'm like my heroic self. I'm like, Dylan, that's amazing. And he goes, uh, I earned this. I, I would be mad if I didn't get it. And I was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> but I, I thought you're right. You you looked at what was possible. So he looked at the seniors. He said, if they can do it, I can do it. But he started where he was at and he did the work. Yeah. He has continued to do the work. And now he's going to be playing for a D1 school next year in college. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, there's no guarantee that that would be the result, but he wanted it. He went after it. His confidence is off the chart, knowing what he is capable of. Yeah, that's great. Proud mom, I'm guessing. Very proud. <laughs> it's it's he is the growth mindset in that area when yes. it comes to when it comes to cleaning his room. Not so much, but okay. <laughs> so speaking never- of speaking of your child, and let's just talk about children in general. Uh, if you so if you're listening and maybe you have a child, you're raising mm-hmm. a child that fits one of those first two scenarios that we talked about, what advice, mm-hmm. Barb, would you have for that parent yep. or that person in the child's life to, you know, help that child have a growth-oriented mindset and to hopefully, uh, you know, not feel as though because they're not good at something, they're just not good at anything or they don't belong in that space. Sure. sure. You know, and just recognizing kids are malleable. They want to grow, but like, you know, it's hard to be a kid. They're learning all this stuff. So the the biggest lesson I learned is to praise the effort, not the outcome. And so not just going, oh my gosh, Dylan, you're a great athlete or you're so smart because he is also smart. It's, I like, I like seeing how much effort you put into this. You know, I really like when you, you know, when you see that you get the good grade because you studied so hard the night before, or at least. You have the resources available and you know how to use them. It's it, it's showing them the process that they're using because people like me with the heroics, we will fake it. We'll, we'll lie to ourselves and we'll be like, oh, it really wasn't that hard. Oh no, we killed ourselves to get that done. Right, right. <laughs> but what was that process? And let's acknowledge that that's what got us to the goal. And then, you know, just disciplining ourselves to get better at that. Um, the other thing is when kids are struggling and their their self-confidence is waning, getting them to talk about it, you know, but really just using coaching questions. Help me understand where you're struggling with this or gosh, that's really frustrating. Tell me more about how frustrating that is for you. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging that they're having these emotions and just opening the door to say, tell me. If, yeah. And if they can get it out of their head, it's not as scary anymore. Right. So even with adults, myself and the people I coach, they're like, you know, once I say it out loud, I can see kind of how that doesn't make sense anymore. But boy, that felt true a minute ago. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm just even thinking about any hard thing I've gone through in my life. If I keep it inside my head, Mm -hmm. it's 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. And I can almost feel the immediate relief if I tell someone Mm -hmm. what's going on or what I'm struggling with or what I'm worried about. And then as a parent being, you know, trusting that process, they're not going to do it every time. Right. So as we're, as we're growing kids into these growth mindsets, another acronym you could use is fail. So fail fast, 
but what the acronym stands for is this is your first attempt in learning. Oh, I love that. Well, just just keep failing and then reward failure. I was actually on a call with someone today. She goes, we have a whole Slack channel and we just talk about all of our failures. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still growing in different areas. Yes, yes. no, I, I really like that a lot. Any additional perspectives you want to share with our listeners about fixed mindset, growth mindset, imposter syndrome? I would just say, you know, if you resonated with any of this, first of all, you're human. You are human. And we want to be so professional and so effective and so competent right away. Yes. (laughs) That is not necessarily how we grow confidence. So give yourself the grace, space, and time to build that confidence. If you find that over time, you're still not quite getting there. And some of these other habits or or predispositions have have gotten in the way. Again, you are human. I can relate and I can help. Uh, So it's Pat, I I call them patterns and habits, right? Patterns and habits. How do you break a pattern or a habit that's no longer working? You disrupt it. Well, how do you do that? I'll work with you to find out, but it is (laughs) It is going to be uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) Just like going to the gym. Yes. So what I love about working with EFR is I not only get to teach stuff like this, but I get to coach people who are ready and they're saying, put me in. I did want to share that if you're listening and you know you have EFR's EAP benefits, you have access to life coaching and you could work with Barb one-on-one. And so you would need to call our 800 number, 800-327-4692 to get your sessions scheduled. And if you don't have our EAP and still want to connect with Barb, I'll leave her contact information in the show notes. But if you have our EAP benefit, you have access to life coaching, and this could be a great place for you to start addressing some of the things that maybe you've been wanting to address or, you know, have put off for a while because you didn't really know how to address them. So this could be a great resource with our EAP or without. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Other than that, I would say I do offer an Enneagram uh, program through EFR or on my own uh, just to come in and share more about these nine types, their patterns and habits, shine spots and blind spots. And I love that topic. So uh, call me or EFR. And then any book by Dr. Brene Brown. Yes. (laughs) If you truly are thinking that you're predisposed, she is going to shed so much more light than I ever could. Uh, And you'll just, you'll, it helps give you the confidence to know that you can move forward and this isn't forever. Did you watch her Netflix special? I think it was called Call to Courage. But basically, I don't know that there's anything I haven't read or seen. <laughs> I, I yeah. love that. It just spoke to me so much at that time in my life, especially. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to link that into the show notes because I like it so much. And you mentioned Brene Brown. So I would agree any book by her is is mm-hmm. great. I've listened to her on several podcasts, but this uh, is maybe a 90 minute, you know, mm-hmm show on Netflix. It, it called yeah. it, it's great. So I'll link your information, Barb, as well as EFR's information, because I do know a lot of our listeners have our EAP benefits, but thank you so much for your time and knowledge and expertise today. Sorry. Great. Thank you. With you. And I hope you get to meet some of our listeners through our life coaching benefit. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Emily Wankoff.